Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Wokeness is ruining the entertainment industry and it has destroyed one of my favorite shows ever. Yes, the super woke crowd has infiltrated the Real Housewives of New York City and is destroying it. I am so sad. I'm so upset. And I've got a lot to say about this. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. know me if you have gotten to know me over this past year or so of the podcast if you follow my social media if you follow me on instagram you know that i'm not just a politics guy i'm a culture guy as well most of us are um in america most people do not just obsess about politics all the time we like to be entertained and once upon a time before um 2020 and before the world that we live in right now people were just able to be entertained without having woke claptrap um push towards us via our entertainment. But unfortunately, that is no more. One of the things that I loved about the Real Housewives franchise, I love the Real Housewives franchise. I probably watch multiple uh, different cities. I, I watch regularly. I'll tell you the ones that I watch. I watch the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I watch the Real Housewives of New York City. And I watch the Real Housewives of Atlanta. This is my turn my brain off, have a glass of red wine, just chill out, lock my doors, maybe stop um, worrying about the state of the world and just be entertained by women that are too rich and too drunk to care. I think that it is the most entertaining thing ever. And I was very excited when the new season of The Real Housewives of New York City came back. As you all know, I was a New Yorker um, for well over a decade. So I've lived, I've walked those streets. I've kind of like lived that New York City life, went to the events, went to restaurants, all of that stuff. So I loved, loved, loved the Real Housewives of New York City. I was excited when they announced that they were going to add a black cast member to the Real Housewives of New York City. I honestly thought this was great. Why not make it more diverse? Why not mix it up? Why not add a little bit more flavor to the New York City Housewives? We are looking at basically these are older women, you know, in their some of them in their 50s and 60s. I think Ramona Singer is in her early 60s. Um, and, and we see them do the Upper East Side thing in New York. And, and it's entertaining, but, you know, it gets a little stale. So why not add a black woman for a little flavor? The black woman that they added, her name is Ebony K. Williams. Gorgeous girl. Gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Very, very pretty. Also, a very accomplished. Uh, she was a lawyer. Um, she's very much on the left, but she did some TV hosting work for Fox News. She does a podcast. She does all these different things. So this is kind of like the perfect black woman to add to the New York City Housewives. This is somebody that is accomplished and gorgeous and smart and all of that other stuff. So it makes me so sad to say that she has absolutely destroyed the real housewives of New York City. She's absolutely destroyed it. And do you know how and why she has destroyed it? Because she has made the New York housewives um, a lesson about black history and the Black Lives Matter movement and how awful and stupid and terrible life in America is for black Americans every single day. This is what she has turned the New York City housewives into. She has turned it into her 
preaching and teaching. These women, you know, you've got uh, Sonia Morgan, you've got, you know, Ramona Singer, Countess Luann, all of these women. Um, are these women racist? Like, probably not. Do they have a whole lot of black friends? Probably not. I don't expect 50 and 60 year old white women who exist in the Upper East Side bubble to just have a whole bunch of white uh, black friends. So Ebony is added to the cast and she has made it her mission focus to make everything about race all the time with these ladies. Maybe that was her goal in going into the show. Uh, Maybe she wanted to use this to build her platform. Maybe she just thought that there was going to be a lot of pressure on her as being a black housewife. So she had to educate and tell everybody about the Black Lives Matter movement and about black history. The first time that you are introduced to this woman, she's wearing a face mask, you know, because they filmed in the midst of the pandemic last fall in New York City. So she's wearing a face mask with the Black Lives Matter logo on it, okay? So the first time that you are introduced to her, you are seeing like exactly what this is and what she's all about. Okay, whatever. People can believe whatever they want to believe in this world. You're a housewife, okay? I need you to do one of two things. I need you to just do a couple of things. I need you to look fabulous. I need you to be entertaining. And I need you to just be aspirational. So there's nothing about Ebony's existence in the show that is at all entertaining or aspirational. It is just utterly exhausting. She exhausts me and I am black. Okay. And I feel, and I, I, I have a suspicion that Even the woke crowd, even the people, even black people that are liberals, even black people that are on the left are watching a show like this and they don't want to be preached to via their entertainment, right? So to give you an example of just how exhausting this woman is on the New York City Housewife, uh, I I want you to listen to this clip. This is her basically having an interaction with Ramona Singer, you know, wealthy, fabulous, Upper East Side white woman who more likely than not, and I'm not, I don't want to get sued. um, I'm not saying that this is a fact. I do not know this at all. More likely than not, um, this wealthy white woman that lives in New York City, more likely than not voted for Trump. So this is Ebony putting her, you know, on the spot and them having an altercation about whether or not Ramona Singer voted for Donald Trump. I hate that Ramona left, but I'm just saying it's too hot. Ramona needs to sit here and be uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. So you're saying if anyone voted for Donald Trump here, they're part of white supremacy? No. But I wanted to know where she stood on the issue. That's it. It's a question. We know how things are in the world. And, you know, if you vote for him or support him like she does, right? be able to say, I support him because of his tax code, which I can respect. But also say I support him because of where he falls on the Right. Yeah. 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 She, she, she barely knows the English language. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 English is their first language. Yeah. Never yeah. Like, yeah. Let's play a game. No. I want a game. I want a game. I want no. a game. You're making yourself look other than you are. Which is totally insensitive to this moment. No, it doesn't work. I'm like cringing. I want to relax. I think that maybe Ramona should have stayed wherever she was because coming back to this and doing the I'm white dance, I don't know if she's ever living this one down. We have to just move through this. So that we can, we can move through this every time with her. The 
this is basically um, an example of Ebony's entire interaction on the New York City Housewives. And we're about, probably about 70% through the season right now. Her interaction with these people is basically her teaching them about something, teaching them about the Black Lives Matter movement, um, teaching them about how hard it is to be a black woman in America. She said in one episode that I don't have the privilege to relax. And this is ridiculous because, first of all, this is a, you know, um, a, a successful, beautiful TV star that lives in New York City and she is trying to play this game that she is so oppressed. Like, it's actually ridiculous. But this stuff is ruining the housewives because it's all race all the time. At a certain point, people just want to be entertained. At a certain point, people want to tune everything else about the world off and they just want to be entertained. And so this, you know, Ebony K. Williams thing on the New York City Housewives, it's reflecting in the ratings with the Housewives. Okay, and, and this is from the Daily Mail. This is basically the house the Housewives ratings for New York City are plummeting. They just had their lowest rated episode of all time. Okay? And this is what a source told the Daily Mail. Our viewers don't want to be lectured to. They want a fun show, tipsy middle-aged women with money fighting about petty stuff. Yes, let's talk about the important issues facing our nation, but this cannot be the center of our show. It's not what our show is, but week after week, scene after scene, everyone is being schooled by Ebony Williams. So this is what the Housewives have turned into. And it is reflecting very poorly in the ratings um, because people just don't want to watch this. People are tuning out. And I've noticed I am reality TV is one of, you know, whether you if you think this makes me, you know, seem dumber or whatever, I, I really don't care because it just is what it is. Everybody has their things. But reality TV is one of my vices. You know, it's what I watch because every single day I'm either like I'm doing Fox News hits about, um, you know, about politics or I'm doing research or like I'm writing my book or I'm doing my videos or I'm doing all of this stuff like talking about this real serious stuff and I just want to have a little fun and what Ebony does Ebony has done is she has sucked all of the fun out of this show it is depressing it is boring she is boring and it's ruining the housewives and I get that for her this is all branding. In her mind, she was going to come. She was going to get a lot of press for being the first black housewife, first black housewife. And she was going to come and she wanted the woke crowd to love her. So she wanted to be so woke that all you ever got to know from her was BLM. I'm black. Woke, woke, woke. Zora Neale Hurston. I'm in Harlem. Black, 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 blickety, black, black, black. Which she did not realize is that you can be black. We all know that you're black, but the audience and the people that are fans of this show, and I am one of these people, want to know who you are outside of this faux, you know, black oppression and outside of the Black Lives Matter movement and outside of these things. This is this season has been going on. I think they're on like episode seven or eight. I still have no idea who this woman is. I know the caricature of her that she has created to present to the world via this show is. I know exactly who that is. I know the brand that she wanted to represent to the world, but I have no idea who she is. 
All I know is that at this point, eight episodes in to The Real Housewives of New York City, I am bored. Ebony is boring me. Girl, you're boring. Get like the the BLM stuff. Like I get it. You're 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 on the left. You're a liberal. You know. Maybe you want to run for politics. Maybe you know you want the Biden administration, all these political people to take note of you. Maybe you want to be elevated to more of a public figure that you are. I get it. But honestly, in entertainment, people are over it. People are sick of this stuff. We have dealt with this stuff literally for 2020. We've dealt with it all of this year. When people are looking for entertainment, they just want to be entertained. They don't want to be lectured to. They don't want the woke stuff. The woke stuff has already ruined the entertainment industry. And I will be the only one to say it, that Ebony K. Williams is ruining the Real Housewives of New York City. So as somebody that has been a viewer of this show for years, and I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that fix the problem, either tell Ebony to cut the race crap and just be herself and interact with people in this way, or get rid of her and bring some other black girls on because people are ready to have fun. And the New York City Housewives is not fun anymore. This is how wokeness kills culture. This is how wokeness kills entertainment. And this is how wokeness is killing the Real Housewives of New York City. Next up, far-left propaganda network MSNBC is turning 25, and Tucker Carlson has a very special birthday message to them. I'll share it with you after the break. I've got a confession to make, people. I watch MSNBC so that you do not have to. I do watch MSNBC from time to time. After the election, after everything that happened, I made a deal with myself. And the deal with myself is that I will expose myself to other networks. I will watch CNN. I will watch MSNBC. But only if they are talking about anything other than Donald Trump. Because I cannot listen to them talk about Donald Trump. I cannot listen to them talk about January 6th anymore. It is done. They have run it into the ground. But I do watch MSNBC from time to time just to see what they're talking about. I've watched episodes of The Readout. This is Joy Reid's show. Tucker calls her the the race lady because race is all she ever talks about. Um, and, And some of the stuff just... As somebody who actually went to school for journalism and, you know, I, got, I have a degree from Columbia University and all of that other stuff. I am a trained journalist, even though I, I'm more in the, the opinion realm. Um, just some of the acts of journalistic malpractice that I see on MSNBC on our, on our daily basis are, are really insane. And people in the left and a lot of people like to act as if Fox News is just some propaganda network. And all they do is spew right wing talking points at all times. I am on Fox News a lot. I'm on Fox News probably two or three times a week. And Fox News is probably the most balanced of the networks out there because Fox News will always have a liberal perspective. Always. They always have a liberal perspective on Fox News. You will never see a conservative perspective on MSNBC. And if you see a conservative perspective on MSNBC, it is nothing but a never-Trumper that is, by the way, never saying anything conservative. The only thing that they say is, you know, how Trump is so bad, right? So MSNBC turned 25, and Tucker Carlson has 
a very special message for them. And I want you to listen to this. It's, it's about two, three minutes long. It's okay. This is a podcast. You know, we, we, we've got time. But he breaks down exactly what MSNBC is, exactly what their origins are, and exactly why you shouldn't be paying attention. Listen to Tucker Carlson wishing uh, MSNBC a, a happy birthday in, in a very shady way. MSNBC, the TV network, not the Schedule 3 pharmaceutical, has a birthday today. That channel is 25 years old. It's hard to believe, especially for those of us who remember the day it was born. And yet, even at this advanced age, there are a lot of misconceptions about MSNBC. The first is that all of its anchors have been accused by a sitting president of murdering a young woman in a congressional office. That's not true. It's a myth. And we like to dispel it once and for all right now. The second misperception about MSNBC is that it has always been some sort of left-wing revolutionary channel, Leon Trotsky TV, and that's not true either. From its first hours, MSNBC was a purely corporate project. The MS stands for Microsoft, the NBC for what was then a division of General Electric. So the channel began as a merger of business titans, and fundamentally it's still just one big HR department. After the 2004 presidential elections, the geniuses in the programming office decided to pivot and make MSNBC more populist or something. They weren't sure exactly what they wanted, but they hired a new primetime anchor anyway. Do, do you wish now, looking back three years, that the press had been a little more vigilant in asking questions about the invasion of Iraq during the run-up to it? Like, are we certain there are these WMD stockpiles that we're using to justify the war? How do you know that they're there? What exactly are you talking about, Mr. Powell, in your speech to the United Nations? Don't you wish the press had been a little tougher on the administration? Now, honestly, that's pretty compelling television. But in the end, it was not enough. The guy you just saw was fired for low ratings. He was replaced by an emotionally stunted, agoraphobic baseball card collector who wore mom jeans to the office and wrote florid scripts with too many adjectives. Mr. Keith Oberman, ladies and gentlemen, and keep in mind the L is silent. But it was too volatile an arrangement to last, and before long, the network's top star took his mom jeans and went back to his Honus Wagner cards in his sad midtown apartment. But MSNBC itself remained, and its evolution continued. Like puppies, all TV networks are cute when they're little. The problem is you never know what they're going to grow up to become. So what is that MSNBC now? Well, effectively, it's the Hutu radio network ginning up race fear to mobilize the militias. Here's the channel's new lead anchor screaming once again about those diabolical white people. And so here we are again with conservatism, at least among a certain cohort of white guys, now rooting itself in the idea that even during a pandemic, these screaming men and women have the God-given right to get their roots done and order a steak at the restaurant and hit the golf course and the bar. And that those rights, which they claim were conferred upon them by God, require a disproportionately black and brown labor force to return to work, get back on the wheel, and risk death in order to serve them and return them to their comfortable lives. Broadcasting that crap 24 hours a day. Shades of Kilgali 94. We regret to inform you that tomorrow we'll be killed with our families. It's pretty ugly. But we're going to rise above it tonight and wish the woman you just saw, the race lady, along with Jeb Bush's former flack, the Rachel Maddow impersonator, and most sincerely, Rachel Maddow herself, a very happy birthday. And we're going to do it with maximum cultural imperialism. As the Irish say on occasions like this, may your life be full of gladness and health and your pocket full of gold as the least of your wealth. May the dreams you hold dear be the ones that come true. 
May all the kindness you spread keep coming back to you. <laughs> That's Tucker Carlson on MSNBC. And of course, uh, everything that he says about MSNBC is true. And I, what I would like to say about MSNBC is this. Have I, I'm trying to think. Have I ever been on MSNBC? No, no, I haven't. They do not regularly have conservatives on, right? So they will call, you know, they'll have uh, never Trumpers on. It is very easy for them to have never Trumpers on. But they'll never have a conservative perspective on. There was one... Um, uh, there was one uh, black conservative that they that they had. Uh, I think his name was um, Shermichael Singleton, and he was an MSNBC contributor for a while. Uh, you know, I watched a couple of his clips. I, it just was I, honestly the guy's boring. I, I just, there's really no other way to say it. He was just very boring on camera. Um, he was not a he was not a never Trumper, but he was not a pro Trumper. It was just very milk toast, and, and they stopped having him on. Uh, but they don't have a whole lot of conservative perspectives on there, and it will never cease to amaze me. How the mouthpieces for some of the most destructive policies that hit that country, and these are people that worked in the George W. Bush administration. Oh, because by the way, if you're new here, um, just because I'm a Republican now does not mean that I stand for everything that this party has ever done because the George W. Bush administration was disastrous, right? So the mouthpieces for his administration, some of the most destructive policies that hit this country, and I'm talking about his fake war, I'm talking about the housing crisis that led the country into recession. These people are now on MSNBC and they have rebranded themselves as somehow resistant warriors for resistance warriors for the left, all because they hate Trump. And what you have to realize is that the failure of MSNBC and the story of MSNBC right now is the the failure of the left in general because they have no principles. This is who the left is right now. It is corporate, it is pushing propaganda, and it is heavily authoritarian. The mouthpieces on MSNBC, the Nicole Wallace's of the world and, and everybody else, they love government control when it comes from people who share their political ideology. They love authoritarianism. And so somebody like Nicole Wallace, who is a part of some of the biggest lies that were ever told to this country by a sitting administration and got us into one of the biggest foreign policy failures in American history, which was the Iraq War, and I fought in it, so I can say it. And that's not disrespecting anybody who served there or anybody that I served with or anybody that served in that war. Um, it, is obje- it is an objective failure, the Iraq War. So these are the people that are now being repurposed by the authoritarian corporate media as some sort of resistance warriors from the left. The fact that Nicole Wallace has two hours a day live on MSNBC News, somebody that helped the Bush administration push lies and propaganda, that should tell you everything that you need to know about MSNBC. And the fact that Joy Reid's show has no journalistic value, it is unwatchable, it boggles the mind that any American of any color is watching that show and thinking that this is real news. Or even thinking that it's entertainment. Because there's very little on MSNBC that is news or entertainment at this point. All right, folks, I have a mea culpa to make. I was wrong about something that is pretty big, and I should be man enough to say that. So I'm going to tell you what it is up next. I have been losing tons of followers on my social media as of late, uh, which, you know, which tends to happen if you're 
uh, more independent minded. Uh, if, if I wanted to have three times the following that I have now, I would literally just spew nothing but Republican talking points. And I would never try to challenge my audience. And I would never say what I really felt. I would only say what I think my audience wants to hear. But that would leave me as somebody with no integrity, somebody that is lying, um, and somebody that is just telling uh, my my listeners what they want to hear. And I never, ever, ever want to be that person. So I do not want to be afraid of losing followers or having less people listen to my podcast or anything like that for speaking the truth. Because I'll always speak the truth no matter what. A couple of weeks ago... I spoke up in support of Juneteenth. I spoke up in support of Lift Every Voice and Sing, not in terms of it being the Black National Anthem, because I don't really think of it like that, and I've never really called it that, but in terms of Lift Every Voice and Sing being a part of Black American history and Black American culture. And I lost a, been losing a crap load of followers on my Instagram. If you don't follow me there, I'm on there at Rob Smith Online, um, because I, I made a video saying as such. I made a video that was very critical of a lot of conservative influencers um, that seem to be against everything that is, you know, is black or that the black community is for. And, and I stand behind everything I said in that video. But what I will say is this, and this is a realization that I've started to, to come to terms with, that the Juneteenth holiday is a part of American history, just like it's a part of black history. Lift Every Voice and Sing is a part of American history, just like it's part of black history. In fact, Lift Every Voice and Sing was first sung in 1900 to President Lincoln as a part of his birthday celebration, right? It's, it's a very large part of American history that spreads back for a very long time. This is not some new thing that some leftists on Twitter created. However... And this is what I'm starting to be aware of. And this is what the mea culpa is. I wouldn't call it exactly an apology because there's nothing to be sorry about. Um, But the mea culpa is I may have underestimated the level to which the far left is latching onto both of these things in an attempt to separate black Americans from the rest of America with the goal an intention of pushing forth socialism in this country. I do not think that I quite understood the level to where this is being used and to the level that this is happening. And it may be possible that some of these other conservative influencers, um, and I know, and, and while I wasn't like sub-referencing Candace Owens directly, or I wasn't, this wasn't directly um, at her. Um, this was more for, this is more um, directed at, you know, white conservative influencers that seem to be there. There are some white conservative influencers that kind of their bread and butter is kind of just like being very anti whatever black people are doing. Right. So this isn't necessarily for a black conservative influencer. That's just like, you know, I think Juneteenth is BS. Right. There are some people like Candace Owens. Candace Owens came out against Juneteenth and she said this is separative. This this is divisive. I disagreed. But I'm starting to realize that some of the people that said that had a point. And they may have seen a little bit further than I saw in terms of the left co-opting this and using this um, to try to separate Americans and to try to make black Americans feel less American in service of what I think is a, a socialist and communist agenda. And so now the MLB... Major League Baseball is now saying that in addition 
to the national anthem because there is only one national anthem at all of their games. Now they are going to, I believe, close out the MLB games with the Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is known as the Black National Anthem. And it wasn't until I heard this announcement that I got it. I understood what is happening. And number one, this isn't just about, you know, the the sports industry and, and you know, the NBA and the NFL and the MLB, you know, going woke and, and going broke and all of that stuff, because all of their numbers are down exponentially. Uh, they're down, you know, double digits uh, from the, the past couple of years because people are just tuning out. This is about the far left latching on to these things. And there's one thing that I said when I, I kind of admonish conservatives and, and when I do that, like when I call conservatives, you know, to the floor for, for whatever, I, I always tend to lose followers and, and that's fine. Whatever. Like I said, I don't really care at, at this point. This is not a safe space. <laughs> but I told conservatives that embrace Juneteenth and embrace the history behind it and educate people about the history, because if you do not do this, it will be co-opted by the far left. And Juneteenth has been co-opted by the far left. And now the Black National Anthem, which um, Lift Every Voice and Sing, which has been a part of black culture for well over 100 years. Okay, the NAACP um, used this as a rallying cry when they were fighting for real civil rights, you know, real voting rights, not this garbage that they're trying to push to us right now. This stuff is being co-opted by the far left. That's all there is to it. Juneteenth has been co-opted by the far left. And the Black National Anthem, Lift Up Your Voice and Sing, this has been co-opted by the far left. And so you will see in the coming years, and I'm telling you because I know how this stuff works, you will see in the coming years, Black Lives Matter having Juneteenth celebrations all across the country. You heard it here first. I guarantee you, as much as you are listening to this, that Black Lives Matter will co-opt Juneteenth. They will have Juneteenth celebrations all across the country. I promise you that this will happen. And before these Juneteenth celebrations start, they will sing, lift every voice and sing. Because now, what this is becoming is a separatist movement. And I did not understand this. And I can admit when I don't understand things, and I can admit when there are some people that see things a little sooner than I see them. And so now I get it. And so that is the mea culpa. That is me saying, now I get it. I do believe in Juneteenth as a historical record, absolutely. I do believe in Lift Every Voice and Sing um, as a part of Black American history, absolutely. But it is the point right now where these two things are, are being co-opted by the far left to push separatism. Because if you can convince Black Americans that this country is not for them, if you can convince them that they do not belong to to this country and that America does not belong to them, if you can convince them to be something that is other than this country, if you can give them their own Independence Day, by the way, because the language, the official language of Juneteenth is of Black Independence Day. And by the way, this is something that you will be seeing more of in the, the coming years as well. It, at first, it'll be Juneteenth, and then it will be Juneteenth Black Independence Day. This is all coming. This is exactly what's going to happen. It's too obvious. I used to be on the left, so I understand how these people think. So this is the stuff that is coming, folks. And so my mea culpa is this. I still believe in Juneteenth as a, as a, as a record of American history. I believe in Lift Every Voice and Sing as a part of black history and particularly the civil rights movement. 
But I have to release both of these things personally for me because they are being co-opted by the far left. And they're going to become something that is inextricable from the far left. And, and to me, to admonish conservatives again, because conser- like conservatives and Republicans just are so slow to understanding this because they have dealt with this in the complete opposite way that they should have dealt with it. And so now these are things for the far left. Juneteenth is for the far left. Lift up your voice and sing is for the far left. They will use this to try to separate black people from America. And what you have to understand is how this goes back into the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party's agenda um, and, and their usefulness of black Americans right now. The Democratic Party has about 10 to 15 more years of use left out of black Americans. Slowly but surely, black Americans are not really important to Democrats. They only pretend that we are important to them because we can be used to push forth and to usher in their agenda, uh, which is amnesty for the roughly 22 million illegal immigrants that exist in America right now. Black people are just being used to to grease the wheels for expanded voting and to eventually make these people one day American citizens and to make these people Democrat voters. Like that that's what this is. This is all about making illegal immigrants Democrat voters. So the Democrats have about ten to fifteen more years of use out of African Americans before they get the memo. And you know, black Americans generally are are the last people to, to get this and to understand this. But they will use Juneteenth and they will use the Black National Anthem. They will use all of these things to do this. So that is my mea culpa. I was wrong about Juneteenth. I was very wrong about Lift Every Voice and Sing. And I have just given you a little look, a crystal ball, if you will, into exactly how these two things will be used by the far left in the Democratic Party in the future. They will be used to push separatism among black Americans. And just like always, when it comes to black Americans and the Democratic Party, black Americans will lose. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.